leading by example requires you as the leader to have a keen understanding as to the various communication and personality styles of the people around your table. It's what it takes. And today we're going to be talking with my dear friend, Tracy O'Malley, who is an Enneagram expert and a leadership coach. This woman has worked with huge, huge global corporations on how to lead by understanding these various communication styles. And we as leaders, what do we need to know when we're working with these teams as well, too? You're going to want to listen to this fabulous conversation where we talk about what does working on ourselves actually mean? How does that show up in our daily lives as well, too? We're going to be talking about the challenges that she has seen, the communication challenges with the teams that she has been working with over the years. This is full of golden nuggets. You're not going to want to miss it. So grab a notepad and listen on in. Game changers have something most people don't. Highly effective communication skills that grow existing accounts, close new deals, and allows them to work seamlessly with their team. Welcome to the Game Changing Conversations podcast, where you'll learn what to say and how to say it to anyone. All right. I'm your host, Heather Lyle. With over 20 years of leadership experience in corporate communications, marketing, media relations, and public affairs for small nonprofit organizations to international brands, as well as working in politics. And oh my gosh, I've got a lot of great stories to share with you. This podcast will give you the tools you need to deeply understand your own communication style and how to have winning conversations with your colleagues, clients, and how to message and market your business in a way that feels so good to you too, all right? So if you're ready to dig in and learn great communication strategies that will completely change the trajectory of your business, and of course, we've got to have a few laughs along the way as well too, because that's just how I roll. Grab your favorite beverage, a notepad, and let's get going. All right, welcome to Game Changing Conversations. We are talking with a dear friend, Tracy O'Malley, who, oh my gosh, I, I just, I love this girl. She completely helped change the trajectory of my career a couple of years ago, actually. We were in a group, uh, you were teaching in a group coaching program that I was a part of, went to retreat a couple of months later, and my eyes were opened with just some blocks that I had been having um, about myself. And just, you know, I took the Enneagram, I, I learned a lot about myself, and I want Tracy to just give a quick little, of course, introduce yourself, but tell us all about the Enneagram and how you got to you learn about the Enneagram and using it in your practice and what you do now. But just tell us a little bit about all of that, Tracy. Hey, girl. It's like excited to be here, honored to serve. You are one of my all-time favorite kind of stories in my journey with the Enneagram because you were very similar to me. It's like, yeah, I don't need to know about that. Just bottom line me. Tell me how I could make millions of dollars and do what I'm here to do and use my wisdom and my experience to, um, you know, build this business. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that when the student is ready, the teacher and tools appear. And, um, you know, it was 12 years ago that the right teacher with the right tools showed up in my life. And at the time I was 40 years old. So you can do the math. Um, I'm now in my 50s. And when I was introduced to the Enneagram, it was by a therapist at a time in my life that where on paper I looked okay. But I knew like my soul was saying, this is not working for us. <laughs> but my ego was a little bit bigger than that, even though like I could feel I was white knuckling life a little bit. Um, 
you know, my therapist like, I want you to do this Enneagram thing. And I used some very, very colorful language and told her to go F herself and that I don't need a label and I don't need to be put in a box. And I'm here for you to help me fix my shit. And I don't need this fun little thing. And she was not even wavered by my intensity. You know, I'm like not at all. No, I'm a yeah, I'm a D on the disc girl, like hardcore. Like they put my name next to the D in the disc program. And and she probably is too. She's an eight on the Enneagram, like I am, and she wasn't even remotely rattled. And that that is kind of one of the things that I've used in my life, like subconsciously, like to vet people. If they can go toe to toe with me, then we've we've got a possibility of some form of relationship here. And she wasn't rattled by it. And she was straight shooting, which is the way I like it. Bottom line, me kind of girl. She's like, my dear, your best thinking has gotten you here. And oh, wow. this, yeah, I know, right? And this might actually help you get out of the box that not only the world has put you in, but you have put yourself in. So how about you open up your mind a little bit? Yeah. Give it a shot. And I was like, well, shit, touche. Like, she's got a point. I appreciated the directness. I appreciated the straight shooting. And she called me on it. And very quickly, you know, we we took an assessment. It was inaccurate, which if you are new to the Enneagram or familiar with the Enneagram, all the online assessments are inaccurate 65 to 70 percent of the time. They're a great starting point, but by no means lean into that as like the end all be all. Um, I was mis- mistyped as an Enneagram three, which behaviorally I can look like very much so, but motivationally, not even remotely three like. And that's the beauty of three is three is the achiever. Yeah, the competitive achiever, which is probably what you had typed at before, if I was guessing, Uh, because you can look very three-like as well, Mm -hmm. right? High-achieving women are the most mistyped on the Enneagram because we know how to kind of put ourselves in whatever compartment we need to put ourselves in in order to be successful personally and professionally. And um, when I was learning about the Enneagram, I learned it was about the motive behind what we do. Which, you know, in the world that we live in today, it's so everything is so polished and filtered and mapped. Uh, and it makes for great marketing and yeah. and and followers and bullshit. But that's not how I roll. Right. Um, but when we really determined what was the motive behind my achieving, the motive behind everything I do, it really unlocked a lot of this work that was holding me back in in a lot of areas of my life. Yes, I could be successful. Yes, I could make things happen if I needed to. Yes, I could be resilient, resourceful, and all those things. But interpersonally, I was having a hard time. And per- and with my own like self-talk and self-thoughts, I was very destructive. And that was starting to play out in my family. You know, I'm a single mom, have been for 15 years, the sole provider emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially. And the kids were 14 and 15 at the time. And I started to see things that they were repeating that came for me. If you don't repair it, you repeat it or it gets repeated or both. And so, yeah. Yeah. So it was time to not just talk a talk that they couldn't follow because I wasn't walking it. You know, our kids, people that we lead, people that we love, they do what we do, not what we say to do. And so I knew that in order for them to take a different path than I had taken my whole life, I needed to learn the new path, not just talk the path, but walk it. And the Enneagram really streamlined and fast-tracked the rate in which I could accelerate that kind of transformation in my life. Because the people I had surrounded myself with, my family included, my extended family, I recognized that there was a big old enabling pattern there. 
Yeah. These people all allowed me to be that dominant, aggressive person and could clean up the wreckage that I would leave in my wake sometimes. And although, like I said, on paper, it worked out, I didn't want that same path for my kids. And so as a leader in my home and a leader out in the world, like we have to know the way, go the way and show the way. Thank you, John Maxwell. Um, but all I knew was what I was taught, told and modeled the dysfunctional way. And I got a lot of good things from the way I was taught, told, and modeled. It's what made me resourceful, resilient, tenacious, worthy, all the yeah. things. But it was also the very thing that was the kryptonite in my life because it wasn't channeled from a place of love and compassion and grace and empathy and service and love and innocence and fun. It was coming from fear, insecurity, and worthiness, shame, guilt, and big-ass ego. And so the Enneagram gave me language and framework that really allowed me to unpack 40 years, 40 years of a lot of crap really, really quickly and give me language and tools that not only I could apply in my own life, but bring into my home team. And then fast forward a few months later where I you know, started a whole new career in a new industry with new kinds of people. And I, it allowed me to kind of step into a whole new life, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, accelerate what I was about to do over the last 12 years. You know, I remember, again, when I met you in that group coaching program, we started talking, the program, there was a, a soul piece and a business uh-huh. strategy piece to it. And I totally remember talking to one of my friends who was in the program. And I was like, yeah, I just need the strategy. I mean, this, uh-huh. this girl is going to be talking about the soul stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to listen because I paid a crap ton of money for this. Yeah. That is she really, she's not going to really be able to tell me anything that I don't know already. And then I went, I, I got officially typed. Right. And I found out that I was the um, two, so I'm the helper. So I'm an Enneagram two, but I have wings of one and three. So I think you called it the sheriff. I remember that, like the, the integrity. Enneagram one, one is the sheriff. Yes. Yeah. Integrity police. Yeah. And three is the achiever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I thought that I was going to be the achiever is really what I thought. But when it's, you know, when it came out that I was the two, I wasn't surprised by that either. And of course, then I I booked three or four calls with you and we just had these incredible conversations of learning, um, which I deeply needed and I didn't realize I needed it at the time. But I found that through the helper, um, I had been doing a lot of people pleasing that you told me to read the book, Codependence No More. Wow. I think I read it in seriously two days. It was just over and done. And I was yeah. like, okay, okay, wow. Um, you know, learned that, you know, even as a business owner and even when I was an executive before, um, I was always carrying the message of somebody else. I was always doing the thing that you know, my business coach, my business, you know, people in my close to me in my life, my husband, people who are close to me in my life. Oh, you need to say it this way. If you want people to, in, and me being the helper, I would always kind of lean into, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, they, they might be right and they, they have more experience. Than I, and I just, I just want to, I just wanted to please everybody is really what it came down to. And oh my goodness, I tell you what, Tracy, what was really fascinating, and I've told everybody this who's asked me because I have a very, very healthy business right now. And I know you do. Great. I'm excited about it and big, big things happening. And I couldn't have dreamed of anything bigger, frankly. And what really helped with that is when I leaned into who 
what my message was and what I wanted to share, not what everybody else wanted me to share with the world. And that was perfectly okay to do. My business skyrocketed. Totally. It's it's interesting because like, you know, where I was at 12 years ago, um, although to the outside world, like I said, everything looked okay, I knew I was imploding. And I knew that my best thinking had gotten me here and all the things that make me amazing and the things that people, you know, hire me for lots of money now to do, you know, my intensity um, is my gift. It is one of my superpowers, but it's only because it's coming today from love, compassion, empathy, service and grace. Right. I can empower anyone today and and speak life into you know, even the most quiet and shy people or the intense, you know, people like me. But that same intensity, when it was coming from the fear, insecurity, unworthiness, shame, guilt, and ego, seriously was a bulldozing wrecking ball in my life, taking anything out in its path. And so the beauty in understanding myself using the tool of the Enneagram, and I love all the tools too, just like you. I love DISC. I love yeah. human design. I love astrology. I love anything that gives me more awareness so that I can um, move in a way that's authentic and true to who I am and who I'm desired or designed to be. That when I started leaning into that intensity from all the beautiful places, uh, the rate in which I grew to multiple million dollar businesses in the last 12 years. And not just the money aspect, but the impact that I'm able to make because I'm true to who I am. Right. Uh, that's the beauty in this. But the thing when I was learning about the Enneagram, it made me exhale and breathe like this huge sigh of relief because I realized that, and this is true for you listening right now, you don't have to change a damn thing about who you are, but you do need to know who you are and you are responsible from the motive in which you operate. 100%. And- and when you're operating out of fear, insecurity, unworthiness, shame, guilt, and ego, the very thing that frustrates you about your life will take you out in some form or fashion. But it also is the very thing that will make you very, very successful personally, yeah. professionally. But you have to work on the come from. And yeah. if you were like me and starting this kind of thing, I mean, I started my journey in personal development at 28, but I really didn't start until I was 40, 12 years ago. That when you not only are aware of who you are, but you can acknowledge kind of how you got here so you can take the right action, right? You're a perfect example of this. Like you were aware that you wanted to build the business. You were aware that you just left corporate America. You were aware that you had to make crap happen. Otherwise, your husband's going to be starting to say like, hey, you said you could make this happen. Where is it at? And you wanted to skip over all this acknowledgement part and go right to the action. And if we had let you do that and not honor who you are on a soul level, you're just kicking the can down the street. And although you might be able to have that success, it won't feel true to who you are. It won't feel fulfilling and it's not sustainable. So what I'll tell people, it's like, like just until the time on earth is done here, like we do this work until we're done. So absolutely. Well, okay. So that brings me to my second question. So again, I remember when I first started that group coaching program, you talked a lot about doing the work. And, and I'm using air quotes for people who are yeah, saying, and, and I still hear uh-huh. people online talk about doing the work. And I do wonder about the level of authenticity from a lot of people that this is coming from. Right. But okay, talk to me about what exactly when we say do the work, we've got to do the work. 
what does that actually show up and look like? See, I prefer do your work because do your work. And, you know, this is why I love the Enneagram, too, is because the work that I do is very different than the work you as an Enneagram, two need to do. And the thing is, is each unique personality has their very unique blind spots as well. And I don't care how much of the air quote work I do. My blind spot will always be my blind spot. But because I know it's there, I can constantly do my work as an Enneagram 8, knowing what it is, knowing where I get tripped up and keep refining my process to A, become aware of it, acknowledge it and take ownership of it sometimes without beating myself up with shame and resentment, but more compassion and empathy and then taking more aligned, effective action that is true to who I am, my work. And so, you know, you are responsible to do your work. That means understanding your blind spots without the shame stick. That means catching it quicker than you did before without the shame and without, you know, the beating yourself up. And that's an ongoing process. And there are days that like I get it and I nail it quickly. And then there are days like I could slip down that slide of shame if I'm not too careful. Yeah. Um, but it's a refinement process and it's building a muscle, right? We, I mean, girl, I don't know if you're listening right now. If you like, if you want to get a nice little JLo booty, I know I do. We all do, but we all want it tomorrow. And, and we think we do one set of squats and pow, there it is. And it's just not like the way it is. And these emotional intelligence muscles and, and doing your work and understanding your blind spots and where you're great and where you, you struggle. That's a muscle you have to build, and that can only be done with consistency and a commitment, unconditional commitment to the process. And, you know, the more that you build this muscle muscle and the faster you can build this muscle through that consistency and commitment, when shit does hit the fan or things do get hard, it doesn't have to be as destructive or as emotionally bankrupting, right? Or leave as much wreckage as it might leave. But it takes that like willingness to say, I'm here to do my work until my time on earth is done. And these are where my work, this is where my work is. And I am here for it, all of it to have. Yeah, go ahead. ahead. I was just saying, I want to talk about these blind and the blind spots as well, too, because inevitably, in fact, I have to tell you about a conversation I had with a partner at a big firm here in Dallas on Friday. We were having uh, coffee together. And um, she is a big personality as well, too. She's a high D on the desk, a very dominant, very results oriented, um, like, let's go eat the world with Tabasco sauce, you know, kind of girl. And I, and of course, I love people like that. I like, they're, they're my people. They are my kind of people. And she is managing a group of mostly introverts, uh, accountants who are going to be very you know, logical, non-emotional, data-focused, um, highly analytical people, that kind of thing. And these people are a lot younger than her as well, too. You know, they're earlier in their career. She just was named partner. And she was talking about how she was very frustrated mm-hmm. that she was just like, I don't understand why my team will come to me when they get stuck. Like, I don't get it. I mean, I'm really approachable. And I looked at her and I was like, yay. Right. And I'm like, all right, you're you're a big personality. And you're talking about kids, you know, 24, 25-year-old. I don't want to call them kids, but a lot younger. And, you know, out of college, just a couple of years and that kind of thing. 
they are just trying to keep their head in the game, trying not to, you know, look like a dumbass to their boss. And that I was just like, sister, you're going to have to go to them. Like, they're not going to come to you until there's that safety, security, that so blind spot, like a huge blind spot for her, right? I mean, and during the course of our conversation, it was just it was just really interesting. She was like, okay, okay. I mean, it's like she hadn't thought about it, you know, flipping the narrative a little bit like that. And it's like, what I love about the Enneagram, what I love about DISC as well, too, is that these assessments help you figure out where those blind spots are that you have no clue. You're just operating in your own world and you have no clue of what those blind spots, how destructive it is with your, you know, your team at the office. And as you always say, the home team as well, too. Yeah. And I think like you have to be humble enough to recognize that just because you have a blind spot doesn't make you less than or or better than anyone else. Like, you know, although I'm sure she was receptive to this, absolutely, her ego still might say, well, if they just did it my way, this would be a lot easier. And, you know, a lot of times I'll think this or when I talk Enneagram with people and businesses and executives and stuff, they're like, gosh, I wish I had known all this sooner. And and I'm just a firm believer is like, sometimes we don't get it till we get it. And just like with any tool, it must be used with proper intent and with integrity, right? Because had I had this in my life 15 years ago, I I probably would have used it maybe to manipulate or exert exert some more control and manipulate and and do the things like that. But, you know, it's, it's only as effective as you are willing and with the right integrity in which to use it. And that has been one thing like I can lead people like me all day long. But what am I going to do with the other, you know, eight different types of people that are out there? And that was the biggest aha for me is recognizing early on and in, in reading and understanding what I was on the Enneagram and what that meant ha- and how others might receive me. And I realized very quickly I'm raising two children that are not eights on the Enneagram and how I was operating a you know, because we don't always understand like your friend that you were talking to. She clearly doesn't understand that people think and act and whether the age gap or not, they're very analytical people and she's not. Right. Right. And if you believe that everybody should communicate and understand and are motivated and fear the way you do, you're missing the mark as a leader in your home and in your business. And that was my biggest holy shit moment was recognizing I only speak eight language and no matter how well intended and no matter how much love was in my heart. Yeah. Because I spoke one language, it was never landing the way that I really wanted them to receive it. And it was creating disconnect in the hearts of my children, let alone out in the world. And so I made it my mission to understand their languages and I discerned really quickly what they were. And just tweaking a few things and understanding how each of them are motivated. They're different than me and way different from each other as well. Recognizing that I can't speak and use the same language with her that I do him. Yeah. Although, yes, it is more um, complex, but you do this work on the front end, it makes it a lot easier. Oh my gosh. Down the road. And when I started integrating the understanding of this tool with the beautiful intent in integrity in my home, Overnight with two teenagers and not having a great track record, everything changed. Yep. Everything. And to me, that I was sold. I was like, holy moly, yeah. this 
is a beautiful tool. And that's when I started to like recognize I could use this in every area of my life. And that's where, you know, but it started with my home team, you know, the the two people I'm doing all of this for. And, you know, now they're 25 and 26 and we have the most incredible relationship. And we all three teach each other a hell of a lot that we are missing naturally in our lives. Right. Um, and that's the beauty of a tool like the Enneagram is not only understanding how to communicate with each other, over, but learning how other people, yeah, I like it life, okay. yeah, and 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 the lens in which they see the world, yeah. Lord knows it's not so black and white as we tend to make it sometimes. Oh, absolutely. You know, gosh, that's so fascinating. I always say, you know, we communicate how we want people to communicate with us, and the problem with that is, is that. Everybody communicates just a tad bit differently. They do. Yeah, we see the world. Like how I look at what motive, what motivation is and what what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of and what my son and what my daughter are afraid of are two totally different things. So if I'm communicating based on my fears and not theirs, yeah. they're, they're going to not feel seen, heard, understood, or valued. Right. Or, or that they can come to me because they don't feel like I understand them. So like for your friend... Like, yeah, like they're not going to come to you, not because you're talking at them, but because they don't feel like you understand who they are. Right. And when people don't feel like they can be who they are with you, it creates divide, whether it's in your marriage, in your family or in your business. Yeah. When there's a breakdown in and disconnect in communication and teamwork, it's a recipe for disaster because when all hell's breaking loose, it's like a house of cards. It ruins it. So it will fall quickly. It will fall very quickly. Okay. So that leads me to let's talk about teams because you've done a lot of work uh, in leadership development, working with teams. And um, gosh, I have too, but you've done a heck of a lot more than I have. (laughs) But it's so fascinating to see that no matter what type of organization that I'm working with, a public entity, a private entity, a big, huge corporation, a smaller business, Everything comes that boils down to there is always communication gaps and always, always communication gaps. And so I'm curious to hear from your lens, your perspective. um, What are some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing with some of the teams that you've worked with recently in the past? um, And how did they overcome some of that as well, too? Well, that's why I love bringing to light who's part of your team. And there's a few different components. We can see where there's gaps, maybe. You know, I think having a diversified team in personality and culture and all the things is really, really, really important, not just for um, the the looks of it, but really for a beautiful, dynamic team where somebody is bringing everybody's bringing something to the table. But, you know, in a in the times that we live in, I think now more than ever, culture is king and people in the past, people wouldn't pay to build up culture. But they're recognizing, especially now, they teams, companies, organizations have to do more with less. They have to be able to leverage the very people they have working with and for them. And if you don't understand them, you're not going to be able to retain and keep good people. Yeah. People are more driven by an opportunity for growth for themselves within a company and communication with the the leader. Yeah. It isn't so much about like money, even though that's important. But if you can't communicate 
and back up your communication and offer them growth because you're not a growth um, strategist yourself or want that kind of thing for them. The chances of getting good quality people aren't great. So the retention will be shit. Oh, yeah. I don't care if it's working. I mean, I've worked with teams at Amazon, Google, John Deere, Facebook, like YouTube, big, big, big ass companies. And I've worked with med spas and chiropractic offices and law firms and real estate brokerages. And it's consistent all across the board is when people don't feel seen, heard, understood or valued for who they are and what they bring to the table or that you're a safe place to come to with that, you're not going to keep good people. Yeah. And you're not going to get the best out of people. Right. Um, so when they bring me in, I kind of put all the cards on the table. But I, I usually tell the leader, like, you have to be willing to go first and be vulnerable and let them see you. And not just you at your best, but they need to know your blind spots. And you need to be able to humbly understand your blind spots and recognize where you have fallen short and not seeing them. Like as a parent, as a leader, we always need to go first. And especially if we're going to have hard conversations and conflict, which healthy conflict is the greatest catalyst for change. It's how we communicate about the conflict right. that that can make or break any company, family, situation, marriage, whatever. And so, you know, me working with the leader first and I need them on board because otherwise, if you're just bringing me in to try and fix your team, it ain't going to happen. And I'm going to be like more of an advocate for them than you. And you won't want that. Culture is a little check the box deal. But a lot of people think like if we do this kumbaya offsite, then yeah, we have good culture. And I, I'm sadly mistaken. It's in the offsite. If you aren't on board with that, that you're going to see all the cracks. Uh-huh. And I'm all about exposing the cracks, even within the leadership. And most most of the time, if we make it past like the discovery call and I'm called in, that's the right kind of leader. Like if you're the type of leader that's wanting me to just fix your shit and you're not going to take accountability for it, I'm probably not for you. And your business probably won't make it. Yeah. Um, But I think the best leaders in our homes and in our businesses are the ones that say, hey, I certainly don't have it all figured out, but I am willing to humble myself enough to figure out where I fall short, lean into you and your gifts as well, so that we can do this to build you know, this vision and mission statement that we have as a company and a family and go the distance making impact and income. And like we're all it's a win win for everyone. Um, But we have to be aware where we have cracks and where there are maybe some things we're falling short of. And then we have to kind of sit in this messy middle, acknowledging how we got here part individually and collectively as a team, and then come up with a game plan moving forward that when we are triggered by each other or when there is some conflict that comes up instead of going into the gossipy or talking under our breath or shoving it down or people pleasing because none of those are effective long game. How do we communicate healthy around conflict so that we can move through it, transform, get to acceptance and move forward? Um, and when leadership is willing to bring me in, I know they're ready. I know yeah. they're ready. Oh, yeah. It's it's still hard because once I leave, it's like, okay, now what do we do with this? What do we do with this? I'm like, well, we're going to continue to build this muscle. Yeah. You got to hiring me to help you do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit. I have a company that's kept me on retainer for two years now because of that, because this is the most important muscle you're going to build in your life, your spiritual and emotional muscle. And if you have a lot of years of unlearning to do, like, it's not going to happen overnight. I don't give a damn how smart you are and how 
I mean, I'm as strong-willed as anybody, and I couldn't get this done in, you know, an off-site on a weekend. No. Right? Like, again, it's the consistency and the unconditional commitment to building this muscle. The work. We're doing the work. Hashtag air quote work. Yeah, your work. And like your work and then the collective work. And yeah, when when those can work in tandem with each other, like you're bulletproof. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. You know, and also I want to go back to something that you said just quickly earlier on. Um, you and I made some, we made some huge strides very quickly, very, very quickly. So it's like when we talk about doing the work, Yes, it's ongoing, but I tell you what, once you just kind of click things into gear and understand where you are and how to make those tweaks and adjustments, like you're off to the races. And then it becomes a, okay, now I have to sustain this. Now I've got to keep, you know, keep mindful, keep thoughtful about this moving forward. And that's the hard part as life well, there's balls. You know, something that came up for me as you were talking about, you know, the air quote work and you know, I'm going to say this to you guys listening right now. And for some of you, you might feel like, oh, that one, that one hit me. And by by no means am I in judgment or um, but I'm lovingly calling you out. Doing the work is not listening to podcasts. Doing the work is not reading a book. Doing the work is not going to an event. Doing the work is not even joining a mastermind. The work is gathering this information in, from all these beautiful components Typically, you know, we can be our own kind of justification um, monster if we're not careful. We can justify why we do anything. So having somebody kind of facilitate um, and guide you through a process, especially somebody with some some wisdom and experience under their belt with the beautiful intent and integrity, because information doesn't equal transformation. A lot of times in the world we live in, Instagram makes it look and, and very manipulative beautiful marketing, like has no problem calling out your pain points. Right. And then they give you all this information that if you just do this, poof, all your yeah. problems are solved. And that's just not the way it is. Information doesn't equal transformation. The integration and implementation of the right information um, can accelerate transformation if done consistently and um, with the unconditional commitment to the process. That's the difference between thinking you're doing the work. Yeah, I know a lot of you have spent a lot of time and a lot of money on podcasts, books, events, all the things. And and I'm going to say a lot of that is better than nothing. Right. But you're never going to get the traction that I know that somebody that's listening to this kind of podcast, listening to Heather and following what she has to say, if that's what you've been doing and you're not feeling the traction or the growth, why you're so frustrated is because you haven't been implementing it because you haven't either hired the right person to guide you or you thought innocently that that was doing the work right or doing your work right so i, I sometimes you got to get really uncomfortable and i mean the best athletes and professionals in the world keep coaches on retainer i'm not saying that you need to yep. um, but i grew up in chicago in the michael jordan era and he to this day has a coach on retainer whether he's playing basketball or not, um, if you want a next level life, sometimes it requires next level guidance. Yeah. I but, but, but when you have the right one, like Heather just said, I mean, the the rate in which we could transform her roadblock, like instantly she yep. felt life, like years of movement. Oh, my gosh. In a very short period of time. 
Yeah. And to your point, the humility, like I was open. I, I, I was so blocked and I didn't know what the hell I was doing wrong because I was doing all the business things right. Yeah. And I was just like, what, what is going on? Why can't I figure this out? And I was just, uh, it was, it was such a lift when I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, Sometimes it gets messy before it gets better, right? It does. It does. Like, it's easy to say we can move the needle really, really quickly, but I'm not going to tell you it's without some messy shit that comes up. And it can be, and this is why a lot of people resist it. It's a lot, a lot of times why the coaches that are out there, 95% of them are trash. They mean well, but they don't want to deal with this messy part. So that's why they want to take you from, hey, you got this problem. Boom, do this action. Yeah. Right. But like this acknowledgement is where the messy parts come up. But if we don't address this messy, disruptive part, we're just kicking the can down the street in the same way. It's going to it's going to show up in different wrapping paper, same package, different wrapping paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I know you don't want that. And especially if you have some years under your belt, like Heather and I do, and you're done playing small and you're done with the frustration and you're just wiped out and energetically bankrupt from all of that. Oh, gosh, that's a good term. Energetically bankrupt. It's time to get humbly, lovingly, compassionately real with yourself. And you may not know. Like I said, Heather, myself, you come by it innocently. You really, really do. So let's dive in. I have loved this conversation. But there's what two quick questions that I have for you. I'm just I'm so curious to hear this from anybody and everybody that I talk to. Oh, good. Let's hear the question is this. And I saw this on LinkedIn several months ago, and I was like, ooh, that's such a good question to ask. And I love good questions. Um, The question is this. What would you have told yourself, your 10 years ago self? Mm. And what would you tell yourself 10 years into the future? Like, what would would be those things you would tell the self for 10 years ago? I could tell you that for me, it would be relax, enjoy the journey. Like, don't, you know. Hire the people that you need to hire. It Don't stay stuck. Don't do that to yourself. It's too hard. Life is too hard anyway, for that matter. But just, but then on the same token, enjoy the journey of it too. Because I think sometimes we get so stuck in the messy middle that we just think that everything is bad and ooey and messy and uck. And the fact of the matter is it is. And there's beauty in that too, of the learning that comes out of it. So I don't know. Just those are just some thoughts that I have about my own self. I'm just curious, what would you have told the Tracy ten years ago? Well, I'm I'm not one of those that believes that everything happens for a reason. I think because I mean, myself included, I know you've experienced a lot of hard things in your life. There's a lot of heinous shit that happens out in the world that doesn't make a lot of sense to innocent people, right? And so, and I know when I've been in the middle of things, when people say everything happens for a reason, like I want to throat punch them, quite honestly. But I do believe this, that everything that does happen, you can turn into something beautiful and magical if you choose to do your work, right? Um, And so what I would say to the person 10 years ago, and it'll ring true because it is my blind spot. So what I would say to myself 10 years ago and 10 years in the future is the very thing that you believe makes you strong is actually holding you back from the impact you're able to make out in the world. Let them see your vulnerability. Let them see the softer edges of who you are because that fierce, intense part of you, yes, is your superpower. 
But when you hide, when you use that to cover up your vulnerability, you're not make you're not able to make the impact in the people that you're raising, the people that you love, the people that you lead. And so I have to remind myself that I, I would say that to myself 10 years ago. I will have to tell myself that at 62 as well. Um, and until I'm done, that that will always be my blind spot that I will err on the side of intensity as my superpower and not pair it up with the gift of vulnerability that makes my intensity magical. I love it. Tracy, thank you so much for your time today. I'm so grateful. It's been such a fun conversation. I knew it would be great. Fun yours, girl. Anyway, thank you so much. And until next time, we'll see you on the podcast. My pleasure, babe. Hey, everyone. I am so glad that you joined me on today's podcast episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, you've got to share it with a friend, right? But I also want you to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media. So be sure to tag me on Instagram at Heather underscore Lyle. That's Heather underscore L-I-S as in Sam, L-E. Also, for more people to learn about the podcast, I would absolutely be so grateful and I'd love it if you could leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Ooh, that'd mean the world to me. I'd appreciate it. And this content takes time and money to produce, and I know that you're getting a lot of goodness out of it. So just leave that review, please. And in the meantime, have a fabulous day and continue to have those game-changing conversations. Until next week, we'll see you then.